0: So. <laughs> oh, I like secretly, I like Brady, too yeah. I ain't no I secret
1: like about her. me, so. <laughs>
2: College's Power Podcast Live is a platform to share important information by educating the Southeast Texas African-Americans community with viable information on health, education, financial, politics, business, whatever you can call it, we'll do it. (laughs) Hey guys, thank you. Thank you, everyone. And joining us tonight is um, my co-host, Francis Hawkins.
0: Good evening, guys.
2: My roundtable cast crew is here. Uh, Tara Roy and Trisha, Trisha Primo. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. All right, all right. We've got a guest tonight. Uh, is there anything we need to talk about before we go into our guests?
0: I don't think so. I, I know Ooh. that we have sole purpose coming up here in this area.
2: Yes, so. that's all. Yeah, I know about that. And also, I've got the uh, uh, Charlton College historical uh, story going to be playing. And I want all of those. We're going to be talking about that later on the show. So let's go into this part. Uh, Knowledge is Power Podcast Live is now on Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Apple, iTunes, and Google Play, and uh, quite a few more. And also you can see our show and hear our show on uh, our new website is live. And we've got now, we've got our Facebook page back up again. we lost all our materials, so we started all over there. We still have the Facebook we have a new page now on Facebook. It's not as Power Podcast, uh, black culture page. Guys need to check it out. Got a lot of black history. just kind of revised, revised what we were doing earlier. And tonight our guest is Kristen Manion, candidate for Texas House uh, Representative District 2. Chris is gonna be joining. gonna be joining us right after this break. Knowledge is Power podcast live with your host Tony Redford and my co-hosts Madonna Sherwood and Francis Larkins.
1: Knowledge is Power podcast live starts now.
2: Kristen Manuel Hayes candidate for Texas State House of Representative District Twenty Two. Hello, Chris. Hello. How's it going? I'm great, guys. Uh, Chris is Chris is is is. Well, I've been in Chris' family for a very long time, and uh, I am so proud of you, and I'm glad to have you, and I'm glad that you are taking that big, huge step and um, pursuing uh, District Twenty Two as our rep. So, Chris. Uh, yes. I've got my guests here again, um, Trina, uh, Tricia Primo, and Terry Roy, and Francis Larkin. We're just here kind of together. We just want you to know that we want, we want to be fair. We want everyone to know that we want you to feel comfortable. Um, and uh, we want to uh, support whoever comes out of this primary. You know, We want to make sure that we, we, we introduce you to our community and that the community knows um, who you are. So Francis, you can take the lead, sweetie.
0: Absolutely. Christian, we're so happy to have you on the show tonight. I don't know if I've actually had the pleasure of meeting you. I think maybe at a a women's Democratic party over at Cotton Creek. I'm thinking maybe once or twice. Um, I know Maybe that I'm you- back
3: real quiet. Making either I have paper normally in my hand, or I'm trying to like text her, my <laughs> boss. Like, hey, did you do this? Don't forget to say this.
0: <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, you you definitely represent one of my favorite men in Southeast Texas, and that is Joe Desitell. So we are happy and honored to have you in our show tonight. So we want to just know a little bit about your background, just to kick things off.
3: Sure. Um, well, I was born here in the uh, Jefferson County area. I was born at Mid Jefferson uh, Hospital. Uh, went to school in Port Arthur. My father is a, a former Coast Guard member. He was in the Coast Guard for 33 years. So when I was a little bit younger, we were kind of uh, different places, Milwaukee, California. But I've been back in Texas and in the Southeast Texas area since I was 17. So that's about uh, 19, 20 years of my life that I've been back here consecutively. Worked for Rep. Destertil, um When I was 18 years old, I graduated from Memorial High School, was going to Houston Tillerson for a little bit. And uh, the rep gave me an opportunity and I kind of just stayed and he just liked the way I worked and he just kept promoting me. So I've been in Texas politics, I can say, my entire adult life. It's been uh, a blessing. It's been such a blessing, honestly. Has So
0: so what called you to politics? How were you drawn to that?
3: Well, really, it was my family. My grandmother um, is from Port Arthur. Her name is uh, Miss Hardy Savoy. She has the MLK support group of uh, uh, Southeast Texas in Port Arthur. And her um, MLK brunch that she has in celebration is actually oh, the same age that I am. Oh, wow. And so I've just always been around congressional members and Senate members and and dignitaries my whole life. So politics and service, I have a mother who's a teacher, an aunt who's a teacher was a principal, cousins, service, public service particularly has always been a part of just my normal average everyday life. <laughs> and so right. I thought, well, everybody gives back to their country because, you know, your country hates right. you and vaccinates you and takes care of you <laughs> and all those kinds of things. So it was just very natural to me.
0: So it's like a rite of passage.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what the Texas representative does and what districts or what areas um, this District 22 covers?
3: So District 22 covers Beaumont, Port Arthur, Rose, Port Neches, within Jefferson County. And depending on how many people you have, the population is about 190 some thousand people the Texas House has the luxury of not having to absolutely meet the 194,000 threshold. We have a about a minus of as long as you're under 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, so within Jefferson County, we have two state representatives based on how the population is. And because Jefferson County has a large uh, minority population, we also have a minority protected district, which is what District 22 is. It's a minority protected district that is predominantly Black and um latino or hispanic americans but of yeah, course okay. we have all other minorities within it but it's because of the voting X right the voting acts right law that is why we have a district that is minority protected and a state representative honestly is a part-time legislator they're only obligated to be there for 140 days every other odd year And the only bill that they're actually obligated, a lot of people don't know this, the only thing a state representative actually has to do is pass a budget. Everything else is just a goal of mine. It's like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this. The only thing that you have to do is that. And you're only required to be there for 140 days. And then unless there's a special session, you're back at home with your constituents making sure you're meeting with them, making sure constituent services are at the forefront. And then from there, it's gearing up for the next legislative session and making sure that you're just uh, as visible as you possibly can be.
0: Okay. Well, that you are, you are definitely visible. Well, thank you for- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I haven't been out in two years and I've seen you, so.
3: Well, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> hey, Terry.
1: Yeah. Hey Kristen, how are you? How are you to see? I'm doing well. I know you I know you worked under Joe for a long time. Yes, what sir. are some of the uh, what are some of the things that you learned from, from Joe and what are some of the things that you would like to do different than what he did?
3: So one of the things that I've learned from him, which to me is really important, is bipartisanship. Uh, long story short, I remember I was 18 years old and there was a member who she voted for a bill I didn't like. And I said, I can't believe she would do that. That's so horrible of her. And he said, Christian, you got to respect people for what they believe. And you got to try to help them understand where you are and why you believe what you believe. And that was something that was really important to me um, and something that he taught me that has stuck with me to treat people good no matter what, because you never know when you're going to need those people. And those people actually ended up helping us get a lot of legislation passed. Um, One of the things I think for me that I would want to do a little bit differently is maybe more on uh, the education standpoint, and that's just on a personal level. I want to focus on education, but I also want to focus on education when it comes to children who have learning disabilities. Like myself, I'm dyslexic, and I've had to learn to navigate life through that, and I've been fortunate enough to have a, a, a boss who really helped me navigate through that and children who have autism i have a godson and i have uh, my is they're autistic and also children who have down syndrome we too often blame teachers for, for why students don't learn certain things or we blame parents but we're not realizing that we're not giving parents or teachers the necessary tools to show their child how they need to be taught because dyslexia comes in different forms. So does autism, so does down syndrome. And if we can give those tools to teachers to give to parents, I think that will be an ease off of everyone's back because nothing is, I think, more uh, debilitating than being a parent who can't help your child because you don't know how to. So that's one of the things with education, which is really important to me, something that I would really wanna champion, especially when it comes to those issues.
4: Okay. okay, so I have a question. Hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering about flood mitigation. What would you like to see to help Beaumont with that issue? Because we do have a lot of flooding and it it, it impacts a lot of people
3: quite severely. Yeah, most definitely. So with flood mitigation, what I would like to do is more on a, a basis where we're going from inland and outland. And what I mean with that is. Part of the problem we always we think about is Harvey because that was what really showed us the big part of the flood. Of course, other people in, in our area have flooded even before we had a lot of bad storms. But when it comes to inland to make sure that we're focusing on do cities have the proper drainage tools? Do they have the proper drainage funds to be able to create the, the, necessarily, sorry, the necessary pipes and drainage that needs to be? And sometimes that is what happens, that as infrastructure gets older, we need to update them. And also sometimes what happens is the city just doesn't have enough funding. And because we lose our wetlands or because certain areas have sunken, it now retains more water than what it used to. And as far as when it comes to flood mitigation going um, outland, as far as in power surges that come into our area, doing things such as coastal spines now that can be a little tricky because each area has their own ordinances and things that would work you have to be careful with flood mitigation from rivers to doing anything as as well as in the gulf because you can fix an entire area and then you can completely devastate another area and so i want to make sure that we're doing things like deepening and widening making sure that we're cleaning out the rivers so that when we have a large excess of river water that comes through because of storms. They don't all of a sudden just uh, burst through and just flood our areas way too much, which is what happened a lot with Harvey as well as the rainfall.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
3: as well as with our wetlands, making sure that we're doing things to rebuild them, making sure that we're rebuilding our coastlands and continuing to do projects like that.
5: Okay. Uh, hi, Christian, it is a pleasure to meet you. I uh, you too uh not uh don't live in in the area but uh definitely keep my eye <laughs> on southeast texas
0: yes he does <laughs> 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 no, no. oh, i didn't know
5: that i didn't know
0: that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but um, you know you 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 come in at a critical moment and, and I wish you and all the candidates much much success uh, but one of the questions I have is um, it's sort of a tag on to what Terry asked. Uh, what is it that you would like to see uh, happen in the area that you haven't seen in your lifetime that you'd like to uh, help see once happen for Beaumont and uh, And secondly, uh, what do you think is the future for the area? I mean, despite uh, a lot of negatives, including a a declining population, a declining youth population, uh, what does that area need uh, in order to keep young, progressive-minded people like yourself attracted to the area?
3: Well... Some of it is a local issue, and some of it, of course, is a state issue. And and it, when it comes to that, what I would like to do is to make sure that we're giving necessary funds that the state can legally give to expand our industry. And when I say industry, I don't just mean refinery, having other sources of income other than just the refinery. And one bill that the rep uh, has filed, I want to say it's been the last maybe six, three to four sessions is a casino bill. That's something that I would really, really, really like to push forward because it gives us another source of income. Also with a bill like that, it takes the money and it gives it to TWIA so that a lot of those funds, it they won't directly just go into the general revenue bu- budget. That way those funds will just strictly go there to help people to say, okay, I can live in this area because I know if there's a storm, I'm gonna be able to fix it, rebuild and move on. And then I can continue with my life. I think keeping people in this area, for me, I'll just speak for myself. One of the reasons I've always stayed here is my family. And I love here because it's also, it's a mixture of rural and it's also a mixture of suburban, which is very different. A lot of places don't have that. And I think if we can get more industry jobs in here that are other than refineries, other than just teaching, I think that we would be able to continue to thrive because, of course, our area kind of stays very stagnant, which eventually at one point is not going to be sustainable, and we will end up having just one state representative, where we used to have three. Um, And what I would like to do is just to try to continue to do things like that, to just continue to help pass any kind of legislation, and to help any way that that the cities, Beaumont, Port Arthur, New England, Port Natchez, have what they need from the state to continue their economic development programs, which are vital. Um, and, And that's really what I think is what can continue to make our area thrive and will make it thrive better. And I always tell people this story. I know a lot of you guys may or may not know this, but I tell people, representation is so, so vital and important. Any of you ever traveling on I-10, if you're ever just driving through and you're coming from Houston, when you get to that Winnie stretch, as we call it, where Port Arthur goes one way and you keep going straight through Winnie to get to Beaumont, the road curves just a little bit to the left and it stays straight. If you ever look at a map, the fastest direction to get to Louisiana is where the road continues to go straight, which is through Port Arthur. But representation moved I-10 just a little bit to where that the road would go through Beaumont, which is what gave Beaumont that thrive, which is what at one point in time Port Arthur was a thriving city. So we, we have to make sure we have proper representation and city that works with state, local, and federal government to make sure that we can have things like that happen, where we can have both of our communities thrive, because if we lose one, we lose the other. And we can't continue on where there is one city has this one city has this and one doesn't have this we have to find ways to help bring both of those communities together and that's one way that I would like to, to continue to do that is to bridge the gap to make sure that we're giving equal amount of resources economic resources to both cities. Well, yes. sorry, to both parts of our area Northern. Right.
5: Yeah. And, and to that point, I would say I've always said that the competition is not Beaumont and Port Arthur. It's the Golden Triangle against Chambers County, because if they <laughs> could ever get something in Chambers County to bypass Beaumont, it'll be a stop on the way to something else. Absolutely. And
2: that's our struggle. Absolutely. Well, let me so appreciate here. Here. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to dive in here. And I want to be real, real deep at this one. Uh, Christian, how long have you been in apprenticeship? in other words, not just apprenticeship, but you've been under Joe Desert and he has endorsed you. The goat. Uh,
0: the goat. <laughs> the goat. <laughs> the
2: goat. <laughs> and, and and I want this. I know that you've been under his under his care for how many years? And what did you really actually learn? And what would you like to see happen that you, you guys couldn't finish? So actually, you're finishing, the, 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 you're you bringing the torch to the finish line right now.
3: So I've been with them for 17 years and three months, and almost four months.
2: 17 years you've been...
3: Yeah, 17 years. <clears throat> and what I've really, I guess I would say, I've learned a lot. God, I can't, it's a lot. I mean, I because I tell people all the time, I sometimes have to catch myself because I get into capital political lingo. Someone will ask me something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll call the LBB and I'll get you the numbers, but I have to wait 24 hours for the bill. And they're like, who's LBB? How does that (laughs) (laughs) about? And I'm like, I am so sorry. (laughs) I just kind of get into there and I'm like, I've learned truly, I think, the most important thing and one thing I would definitely like to do and one thing that um, if elected, but I I believe in saying it, those saying it, say it uh, and it will happen, you know, say it and, and believe it. Uh, when I'm elected, that's something that I'm going to do is make sure that people no longer have representatives on any level that I'm associated with where they don't understand what the system is. Now, of course, I can't reach everyone, but I would do everything to explain to people when I say LBB or committee sub or Reagan building that they will at least have a basic understanding of saying, hey, I know what that is. And And I believe in that is because The more information that our citizens know about their government, the more information they have to know who to elect to vote for, and also if they want to run. Because if you have a good basic understanding, you can read more to have some understanding. And what I've learned really is to, the best thing is to listen more and speak less. A lot of you who know him, Rep. Desseltel is very quiet. Yes. He doesn't, he doesn't speak a lot. You can see him in a room and he'll be like this for like an hour. And then you'll ask him something and he'll just spout off like 20 years yes. of knowledge of the legislator. And you're like, let's talk after this. And you're just trying to get it. And that's something that I really learned because that's one of the reasons that he is very well respected within the building. And one of the reasons that a lot of members are, are have said that they are willing to work with me because I've taken that upon myself to listen, to ask people for help. My father always told me the most adult thing you can do is ask for help. Right. If you don't ask for help, then you think that you're above everything else. And how can anyone work with you or, or respect you or even want to vote for you if they feel like they can't ever teach you something that you don't know? Um. And so, those are just some of the things that I can literally say that I've learned from him: to respect people, to to be passionate about what you believe in, to not let everything sit on your shoulders and carry you down. Speak about the things that are important to you, and everything else you let this. There's, there's someone else who that issue is important to them. You don't always have to be heard to be seen, and that's something I would say that um, I've learned. I know there was another part of your question, but I got really excited about the little <laughs> colingo and I'm so sorry about that. I said LBB, and I thought I was back at work. Like, call the committee clerk and we need that committee sub because if not, they can't vote on our bill and I get in that vote sometimes.
0: Hey, Christian, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just want I want to know, and it's kind of a piggyback off of um Tony's question. If elected, will you continue to be under his mentorship?
3: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'll I'll say this, he is more than a boss and a mentor. He's a second father to me. Yeah. Even my my father, he uh moved back to California after he retired from being here in two thousand and six and he came back and he told the rep he said, I wanna thank you for helping me raise my son. He said, because you've been helping raise him and this was probably when I was with him for ten years. Um he is someone who I look up to. He's someone that I still ask for for knowledge yeah, for my advice. I tell people all the time, I'm just 36 years old. Yeah. I still have God willing many more years to live and I still have a whole lot left to learn right. and definitely will be someone who I will always listen to and always will be grateful for. And I say this as a plug that he hates me to always say, but as a young black man in a building where there were 13 of us two years ago, It took Texas 176, 78 years to have 13 black chief of staffs. Oh, wow. In a building with 181 members. And he Uh was one person who always knew that representation was important. And he always knew that it was important to give black people and, and minorities spots in a building that we don't normally get positions in black americans are the least employed and the least paid in the texas capital out of mm-hmm. everyone when you go off the statistics so that's always wow. very important to me.
0: i also see that you were endorsed by the sabine area labor council and yes. the jefferson county commissioner shane yes. siegel
2: yes Senator, so can yes. Okay tell us a little Senator. bit
0: about it what is it
2: Uh, Senegal. uh, Senegal. Oh, my
0: God. I'm so sorry, Mr. Senegal. Don't take it personally.
3: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Going off, I think the one, they're both really exciting, but I think labor for me was kind of like a jolt. I kind of was like (laughs) getting, I kind of screamed a little bit um, because I've worked with labor since I've been there and labor is very important to me. I've had family that has been a part of labor. And I just believe in labor. We, I always believe in, you cannot have a good workforce if you're not taking care of your employees. And just, I have to give them another plug. I have a great boss who takes care of his employees. So I don't understand how other people don't see that as well. And I think that's why it's so important for me to have the labor endorsement and why I've worked with them for so many years passionately because people are suffering and people need to know that their jobs are not just protected, but their rights are protected. And labor does an amazing job of doing that. Um, The lockout is such a hard situation and I never Mm -hmm. like to interject anything that I've done because any people, any letter, any politician, anyone who's ever stood on the lines, it compares nothing to those people who stand out there who don't have their jobs right now because a company is not being good to their workers. Labor is so, so, so important to me. And that's why I was so excited about that because it's for me, it's, it's an honor that they trust me enough to, to know that I will continue to fight for labor rights and for workers' rights. And with Commissioner Senegal, I can't say enough about him, he is <laughs> he is such a great human being. Uh, he is someone who, whenever I have questions or if there's things that we need to make sure that we're doing on our end as elected officials in the state legislature, he will make sure that we are accountable for it. And I love representation like that. He, Whenever he has a problem, he will call us and say, hey, I have a constituent who has this problem, this isn't my arena, tell me how to handle this. And that's how he helps his constituents, where he can't do it. He makes sure that someone else does it. He doesn't try to overshadow and pretend he knows more and does more. And I want to definitely be a member like that. One who says, hey, that's not my arena, but I can put you in touch with the person who does. Because, again, and I'll say that as some people say the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room. You cannot know everything and you cannot do everything. And having a good partnership with Commissioner Senegal has been an honor because he keeps me on my toes, he keeps the rep on his toes, and he makes sure that the county is getting what they need from the state because we are literally the intermediate between the, the local government and the federal government. That is our job, and that is what we have to do as a
2: state representative. Chris, we'll see. Okay. I'm Chris Chris. I'm in the background. i <laughs> doing the board. <bull. laughs> I, I got Jeremy. a question
1: yeah. for you. Uh, Christian, I I work in, in the health field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of changes that's going on in the health field, both good and bad. And lately it's just been a lot of bad. What are some of the things that you plan on trying to work on as far as you know, everything that's in your power to uh, help people as far as health care?
3: Well, one thing I would like to continue to do is fight for Medicaid expansion. I know that it's a bit difficult with the arena that we're in and with the numbers that we don't have, but we do have enough Republican and Democrat support to move such things as an 1115 waiver, which would kind of be expanding healthcare, even if we can't get a Medicaid push which we could add, uh, it's about an estimated 4 to 4.2 million Texans. Um, I would like to do things like that because we have people who have um, mental illnesses that need help, which is a big thing. Want to continue to keep pushing the needle. And I think, and I want to just say this really quick, not to get off subject. Sometimes being a representative is knowing that you're not going to get a bill passed maybe for four to six to eight years. But if you keep pushing the needle, you keep showing people what actually can be changed on it, that's really important. And that's what I want to continue to do with health care. I don't want a lot of people and say, I'm going to get your health care, that, that would be disingenuous of me. I would like to continue to let the body know why health care is important, let them know the people in their areas who are impacted by not having proper health care coverage. Also making sure that our healthcare workers are being funded at adequate rates. And what I mean by that is, I think that it's um I'm trying to think of the proper word to say this without being cruel. I think it's it's downright mean to be paying out-of-state healthcare workers more <clears throat> than we're paying in-state healthcare workers who are battling COVID, who are battling at times Ebola, who are battling the cold, the flu, when all of these things happen. We need to be able to pay our in-state employees the exact same amount of money you would pay someone else who comes from out of state, so that we can have more people in the healthcare industry, so that we can have more hospitals, we can have more beds, so that we don't have shortages. I wanna do things like that to continue to move the needle to show people, hey, you had this many COVID beds, you had this many people with covid you had this many people who died and let and then after that one let's talk about how many people died because they didn't they had the flu and they didn't have adequate places or people who had cancer who were who, who didn't have access to proper hospitalization because of other illnesses because they didn't have enough nurses or there wasn't enough hospitals i want to continue to try to do things like that by making sure that also we don't leave our federal dollars anymore on the table with government because that's one thing um, that I definitely will do in our area, and I will continue to do in everyone's area. We have got to stop looking at healthcare as a red, a blue, a green, a purple, or whatever you want to look at it. At the end of the day, Texans need to realize the money that you don't accept by expanding healthcare is money that you give to the federal government. They lose you they lose it. You lose it. Give it to another state, and as one of as. The fastest growing state with more representation, we cannot afford to allow people to say, well, this is a Republican and this is a Democrat or Beto O'Rourke or Abbott or this person or that person. Healthcare is not a political issue. Healthcare is about taking care of your neighbors, loving yourself, loving other people as you love yourself. And that's something that I'm going to continue to harbor on until I have no voice, or until I'm no longer here, or until hopefully people will really understand it is not about politics, it is about saving people's lives and giving people a good quality of life to live.
1: Because inadequate health care is what killed a lot of people last time, more, more mm. than
3: COVID. Exactly, more yes. than COVID.
1: So, and that's mm. what people don't see. I see it every day people you who know, can't get proper health care in the oh, United yeah, States.
3: And that's yeah. where the, the one of the richest countries. Richest in the
1: countries world. in the world.
3: No one should be without health insurance. No one should be without at least a proper place to stay. And if we can make sure that and those two things, if we can make sure that people have health care and a proper place to stay, I'm not talking a mansion for every person, but if we make sure our unhoused neighbors who are suffering with with mental illnesses have a place to go. That means when we get another freeze, we don't have to worry that they don't have someplace warm to be. When we have another freeze, we don't have to worry or another pandemic, we don't have to worry about people's mental health issues where they feel claustrophobic and they have no one to talk to and they have no needs. People would still be able to work. We would still be able to take care of them. We have got to remember This is about people. It's not about titles. It's not about votes. It's about people who suffer when we become pig-headed and think it's about us. So um, I have another
4: question. I'm sorry. Um, I I read that you are working on uh, something that will make it so that convicted felons or people with criminal histories don't get asked that question until the second or third interview. Yes. Um, and I agree with that. I think that that is a really good idea. However, I'm licensed by TDLR, the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulations, and I help others get their TDLR licenses for their field. Mm-hmm. And that is the first question. Like, if you have a criminal background, the odds are you're not even going to be considered to get a license. So what what's going on with that? And what are we hoping will happen with the TDLR aspect of it?
3: So... I love that you brought that bill up. That's one of my favorite bills. (laughs) (laughs) So what that bill actually does is, and um, going back to what I was saying about keep pushing the needle, that's a bill that we pushed and pushed and pushed. And we finally got the business association and different members to say, hey, this actually is a good bill. So what the bill does is it says that you can still ask that question, but it's after the second or third interview. And what it basically will do is saying, hey, if you have gone to a second or third interview a person is much more likely to give you the job because they've already got to know you your qualifications they see that you work well with other people or that you could work well with other people in that office or within that industry and so it moves you along in the process of immediately just being kicked out because we have people who were 18 19 who had a small possession charge on them and then now all of a sudden they can't do anything because all they see is a possession charge. Right. This person is now 34, 40 years old and they're still just stuck. And that bill basically will say things like if you have had um, a conviction of like, um, like a, again, a possession crime, something like that. And it's been more than 10 years. That's it wouldn't count against you because you have you're not a repeat offender. And it's giving people an, an opportunity to say, OK, you did get in trouble, but we're not going to give up on you because we're not giving up on you because you've shown us that not only can you do your time, but you've also re- been rehabilitated and you have come into society and you want to give back. And that's what that bill does. It's called ban the box. And it's something that um, I will literally say we are. This close, I mean, you can't, can't even really see it. We are that close to that bill going straight through. That bill literally moved so fast at the beginning of this session, we were just kind of freaked out because everyone was like, we love this bill. So it's a bill that not only is good, but it has great momentum already in the legislature. And what would that do for the, the TDLR aspect of it? Because if
4: somebody comes in and wants to drive a tow truck, yeah, I can't go any further with you unless you can get a TDLR.
3: Right. But so what, it, that's
4: the first question they're going to ask.
3: <laughs> right. It would push that question back to right. about the third interview, and then it would be a question that you can ask them once it gets to that point. So then you can you can have all of those interviews and the follow-up interviews before you would even ask that question. Would it be
4: more leniency with TDLR?
3: Yes, it would. It would, it would work through, through all of that with, with uh, government agencies, well, state government agencies, excuse me, the state government agencies. That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so, Christian, one last question I have. What do you have any thoughts or ideas on keeping the current elected officials accountable?
3: I think all elected officials should be held accountable. And I say it for this and I say this across the board. When the end of every month comes for a state representative, we get a bill that shows everything that we've done down to the phone calls that we make because it's taxpayer dollars, right? And I'm going to people say, don't repeat, but I'm going to say that again, because I really want people to know that I understand this and I want them to get this. It's taxpayer dollars. It's your dollars. Everyone should be accountable because every elected official, whether they're a state rep who makes $600 a month or someone who's making 200 and some 300 and some thousand dollars a month or a year, excuse me, it's still taxpayer dollars. And you should be accountable like that. If you give your child an allowance and you wanna know if they're managing money, you wouldn't even entertain a question of, should I ask my child what they're doing with their money? You're just gonna ask them because you know that's your right as the parent. Well, in essence, that's what people should be doing. They should always hold their representatives accountable. They should always ask for audits. They should always ask for receipts. As they say, show me the receipt, (laughs) (laughs) literally. Every month, if someone ever wanted, you can ask the state representatives' office. Hey, can I get your receipts? I want to see how many phone calls you made. I want to see yeah. if there's how many, uh, how much you charge for mail this month. I want to see every time you send a FedEx because guess what? There's a printout of salary pay. How long the person is well, not how long they've been there. Salary pay. Every time we, every time we buy supplies, it shows up on our, on our on a piece of paper that's sent to us. Every phone call with the number that we make, is shown on that call so yes everyone should be held to an accountable standard because I think it's just the only thing that we should be doing yeah
1: even even city officials
3: every mm, yep. city, that, especially city so. every single person I'll just say this as a as a for state representatives if I want to go to a conference and the rep says it's okay and it's a state conference that the state says yes you can go for, I can still only spend about $150 a day for a room. I can only spend, I think it's $75 or $100 a day for food. You have to submit receipts or you do not get reimbursed. So if I wanna go to Dallas and go to a a state conference, I can go to a room and pay $500 a night, but the state is only gonna cover 150 of it. I have to pay the rest of it. And I think that's totally fair because I'm not going for leisure trip, I'm going to do something that's gonna better our constituents. So the more knowledge I have, the more knowledge I can give to these people. And I think doing things like that, I just think it's, maybe it's just me being there for 17 years, but I think it's just absolutely normal. And I think it's how things should be. Have receipts. It has to be for a certain purpose and there should be caps and limits on how much you can spend. That's what we do here. That's something that for me, I would never vote for a bill that would allow state representative's office To do anything more than that at all. Without voters' approval, I'll say at least if voters say it's okay to go up to you know 500 dollars a night, that's for the voters. But for me, I would never do vote for something like that without voters approval. Okay. Uh
5: everything we talked about tonight hinges just on that one key thing, and that's voting. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh we know that where Texas is and vote in Florida, where I'm at is no better. Um, what do you think is the best steps to take? I mean, I know that we always, you know, for so long, the people have looked either to the legislature to try to win this, we look to Congress, we look to the courts. So now that neither the, none of those places have won. Yes. Now we need leadership to instruct us how to approach this. And I think we need a very different approach. What do you see? I mean, just coming from the legislature and uh, and what we've seen in terms of turnout. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I do have a request for you. And it's a request I'm asking all black leaders. Alcee um, Hastings, uh, when he was alive started an organization here in Broward called the Black Elected Officials. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a group that was made up of Black elected officials that forced them to come together to meet. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when when Congressman Hastings got sick, that group failed to meet. And as I look at the GOP and across the aisle, that's all they do is meet and plan. Yeah. What I wanna ask from my black leaders, can you all just meet? We have all these black elected officials in Golden Triangle and Beaumont, and what do we have to show for it that none of you all ever took the time out to meet, to plan on our behalf? These were the promises that you all said that you were going to do so in order to meet their promise you got to meet and plan so will you help lead our black elected officials in southeast texas to at least come together for one hour a month and meet
3: well, that's how
5: uh, you can ask
1: first thing you got to do is to get, get them to listen I,
3: you know, I, they don't listen so I, I, they, they 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 talk to listen so I I will say this, uh, and and not to step on anyone's toes, I will say that the Black elected officials and the non-Black elected officials in our area have always, at least when our office has been involved, they've always reached out. They've always spoke with us. And I will always meet with anyone, especially when it comes to something like voting rights, because it's just so very important. I'm fortunate enough, I don't know what that feels like to not know what it's like to vote or to have to grow up and say, I remember when my mother could not vote. And I'm just really fortunate and blessed that I don't know how that feels, but I know what it feels like to see people that I love and care about tell me those stories. And it's kind of frightening because we always know time moves forward, but progress does not always move forward. And when it comes to voting rights, Texas has the most black people out of any state in the union and course, out of any battleground state. The problem, I think that what happens is, is that for some people in some places, just like you said, uh, Mr. Terry, not all people want to listen to everybody. And for me, one thing I always tell people is I speak and talk a certain way. And some people speak and talk a different kind of way. We need to be able to have people who think alike, who speak differently, who have different vernaculars than us, who are giving that information to people with their vernacular, the same message that I'm giving, so that they don't feel like this person is too urban, or this person is too bougie, or this person is this. Someone who doesn't understand politics, doesn't want someone coming in their door saying, let me talk to you about the committee on da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What does that do for them? How do you explain? But there's someone who can explain the exact same thing that I'm gonna explain, but it's gonna say it in a way that not only will they understand it, but they will appreciate it. And we have to get rid of the crabs in a barrel. Helping, I'll say this, Rep Deshotel has put me on his shoulders. So it's my responsibility at the end of the day, no matter what happens to make sure that I'm putting other people on my shoulders to make sure that they can help someone else. It's about uplifting each other. And we have to, far as, as far as voting, we have to make sure we're speaking <coughs> to people. And Malcolm X says, what's the point of using a $5 word if they don't understand it? Hmm. We have to speak to people who don't understand the $5 words, we have to speak to people who do, and all to to people who understand $10 words. We gotta speak to everybody in their language. We gotta work together to make sure that that message is getting out. That's imperative because so many people don't vote because one, they don't understand what's actually going on. And I always jokingly tell people, I said, if people understood how powerful government actually is, I think they would really wake up, but we got to give it to them in that message. I tell people to me, the two most important things are religion and politics. Religion because it influences politics. What you believe or what you don't believe influences how you vote and politics determines what you can do, if you can do it, when you can do it, where you can do it, no matter where you go in the universe. Even if there aren't people, it's still gonna determine how you colonize, how you grow. So we have to make sure that we're talking to these people and letting them know that you are the only way that these things change. We can get rid of gerrymandering if we can get people who are Black and Hispanic who don't vote in a state that is over 50% Black and Hispanic to vote. If we get those kinds of things going, then we don't have to worry about gerrymandering because we can get an outside council to, to make districts of interest together, to make sure that we're cutting maps for congressional members the way they're supposed to be. And you take that power from the legislator. And then guess what? You no longer have infighting. You no longer have all of this back and forth. It's handled and it's done because you know that it's a third party person that oversees it. It goes to a Supreme court to make sure that it meets all the qualifications and you're done. Things like that is how we can move forward, but we gotta, we really, really, really have to move forward explaining people why they have to vote, not why they should vote. I think he should also say, you should vote. You need to vote. No, you have to vote. It's not just about civil rights. It's not just about women have not having the right to vote. It's about the fact of when you don't vote, you are saying it's okay to let anything happen to you. And one book that I love that a lot of people have, everyone hasn't finished reading it, is uh, about mass incarceration. And they all and she says in her book, she says, during slavery, they knew slavery was going to come to an end. But we were so busy fighting to end slavery while they were three steps ahead. She, She says, if you look at how history goes, they had Jim Crow together before slavery ever ended because they knew it was coming to an end at some point. Well, by the time we get to Jim Crow, they've already been building prisons and now they're already on the voting rights and we're fighting what? Just getting the right to vote. We're not looking at the fact of, well, once they give you the right to vote, you could easily be in prison and then lose your right to vote. So we have to to look at what we need to get done and also implement plans that are gonna set us up for two, three steps, two, three generations in the future. So they're already activated once that generation gets there. As they say, you know, we have to give um, generational knowledge. We have to pass it on just like generational wealth to people.
0: Okay. Well, Christian, we've had a good show and we appreciate you being here. We're so humbled and blessed to have you on our show tonight. Do you have any closing remarks that you want to share with our audience?
3: Sure. I'm going to give my real candidates feel. (laughs) My name is Christian Manuel. Uh, I have worked for a state representative Joe Despotel for the last 17 years. I'm endorsed by him. I've been trained by him and I would love to be your next state representative, not for the title, but to do what needs to be done for you and to always listen and to remember that it's not me who's important, it's you and that I'm not a leader, but I'm a representative. You are the leader and you pick your leader and I just would like to be your next state representative and as, as, as kids might say, I'm not new to this, I'm true to this. And I hope all of you will <laughs> vote for me on uh, March the 1st, early voting starts February the 14th through February the 25th. And I'm number one on the ballot for state representative. And remember that experience matters, legislative experience matters. And can't wait to meet as many of you as I possibly can. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh-
5: one thing, your link on your, uh, you post a link for your website, it's not working.
3: Okay, I'll get the web guy on and find out what it is. Thank you so much.
5: Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. Thank, Thank you, God. Gary. I, I'm sorry, did I interrupt something? No, no, that was great. Okay, sure, I told Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Christian Emanuel Hayes, candidate for Texas State House of representative. <laughs> Representatives, represented us in District 22. Um, I'm glad to have you. We, uh, we, it's been a great 50 minutes of good talk. Uh, we learned of your experience. You've got great experience. You, you, you've you got the Austin connection, and that's the key, having an Austin connection. That's what we need. Uh, and uh, we've, we I can we, call we, the LDD have- for you. <laughs> 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 what is that?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Francis, you can close us and we'll see you guys on Tuesday at seven o'clock on National Power Podcast Live. And we tonight we've been with my guy, Christian Manuel Hayes, uh, the candidate for Texas State House Representative District Twenty Two. And early voting starts February Fourteenth. February Fourteenth, Valentine's Day, and uh, for those first ten days, we need to get out and vote. Show me some um, love yeah both our <laughs> representatives uh so anyone guys you have any lasting words and if not we're gonna move on to the next show great right, great right, great right. so guys <laughs> you know I always, i've been trying to do this all night and i'm glad i, I got this over with I, let me let me do this because I want folks to know that we have a oh uh, uh, wait a minute I'm going the wrong way. all right hold on there we go uh that we have a new platform uh, a Facebook page It's called knowledge is power podcast. Um, but it's also, it's, it's, it's a black, the black knowledge page. And we want you all to join us, uh, just click on it. And that's what it looks like. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's what it looks like. Uh, that is only one thing in this world more powerful than money. And that's knowledge. And right. this is something we must do. We must exercise and educate our community. Uh, um, about our culture, uh, about our history, about health, education, financial. So you'll find all this posted in this brand new page on Facebook. It's a group page. You can join. Uh, you can post uh, Black culture uh, uh, posts that you would like to do. We'd love to have you uh, to share with us, and uh, we thank you again. So it right. You. Tony, one
0: yep. last thing. I just want to say my my former chamber president, Regina Lindsay, passed away unexpectedly earlier this week. And I just want everyone to know that, she isn't, that her family is in our thoughts and prayers.
2: Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, guys, thank you so much again. We love it. And I see you on Tuesday for our next new show. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power
1: podcast live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all knowledge is power social media pages.